This is the Overcoming the Storm podcast. This is where we share our own journeys overcoming the storms in our lives. And by sharing our journeys, encourage and inspire you whenever you're grappling with storms in your own life. Yes. Look, we're not doctors. We're not therapists. We're not psychologists. But we're all going through something that's the same thing. And we're just like, y'all, we've been through a lot and we've studied a lot too. So if you're listening to this, then you are searching for the same things that we are, but we do not have all the answers. It's, it's just a journey for us. And as we learn and grow, hopefully what we discuss here, it will help you on your journey too. Man. And you know what? We have a great show for you today. And we talk a lot about how we're really not the experts at everything, right? But we know where to pull information from. And we We've been through a lot too. Absolutely. You know what? Milestone for overcoming the storm. We have our first guest today who is an expert. Woohoo! So we have an expert with us today. She got into dancing and physical fitness when she was 13 years old. She continued dancing in college and started uh, really suffering of an eating disorder. And what kind of came from that was really starting to understand addiction and neurological change guys great great really exciting time for us today we have a great guest for you today she is a health coach and a human behavior specialist based in austin texas i present to you megan robitaille all right hey megan welcome to the show thank you thank you for having me yeah absolutely we're excited Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So obviously my name is Megan Robitaille. I currently live in Austin, Texas, and I like to combine functional movement training, bodybuilding, uh, mobility, dance, corrective exercise, you name it, um, to help people get into the best shape, but also now combining that with what might be referred to these days as non-traditional therapy modalities to create congruency within the mind. So for me, you know, having been a personal trainer in a gym and then having my own coaching business for about three years before making a pivot, the largest frustration was that you can give someone everything that they need. You can give them all of the science, all of the workout plans, all of the things that need to be done and the accountability is there. And then, you know, you reach out a few months after or a year later and they're right back where they started. This is a conversation that we entertain a lot, but very few solutions are ever really presented from a scientific perspective. So I'll get a little bit more to my story, I guess, after after this part, but my story made me really interested in that. What is it that makes brain patterns sticky? And what is the similarity between something more severe like addiction versus just a bad habit or maybe an absence of the good habit. Why is it that we can never seem to line up what we do with what we say and keep it that way? So creating sort of an unconscious mind and a conscious mind congruency is where that comes from. And having now done study, you know, branching off of my biological anthropology degree into NLP, hypnotherapy, timeline therapy, different, you know, modalities, I've now been able to really learn and implement with myself and others strategies that help to create that congruency so that when we're moving forward towards something we want to create, there aren't uh, any kind of factors pulling us in multiple directions, which is why we find either this pulling of the rubber band snapback, which is kind of like the yo-yo effect or Mm -hmm. inability to really move anywhere at all. 
So for me, it's about breaking people through, starting with the mind. And I think that is highly underemphasized, especially in the fitness industry, as much as we say, you know, mindset training, we tack it on as an afterthought. And the majority of the people in the industry, to be honest, they don't know what they're talking about. They just want to help people hype up. They want to tell them to love themselves and they want to tell them to do affirmations. And there's a science to this that isn't being addressed and people are stuck. So for me, it's about bringing the science to those people and working with them on breaking through and keeping themselves there. That is incredible. And I love the fact that the, the, what you really pointed out, it, it's the will of the person. You can give them every tool, every aspect, resource. I'm here. I got you. But it's just more than just positive affirmations. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. It's more than just saying it. There's got to be a point inside your own brain where you're like, I actually believe it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to apply it. Okay. What does that application look like? How does it look like? Well, great. Here's the tools, right? We're just, it's going to go beyond that. I absolutely love everything that you just said with that. Wow. Thank you. Because you're right, we don't hear enough of that. And we don't yeah. see enough of that true, authentic self of it. It's Because mm. I, I agree with you when you say it's just people out here just hyping you up, yeah. getting you excited, yeah. and that adrenaline goes down. And then it's like a, it's like a sugar rush and then a sugar mm-hmm. crash. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why like, I, I became really misaligned with the fitness industry, also because of my past with the eating disorder and, and taking all those things into consideration. Yeah. I became really frustrated with it because I always showed up differently, especially because of my history, but I was more and more tired of just seeing like social media full of inspirational quotes and images. And, you know, we have a lot of imagery that is associated with words. So when we see a word like discipline, there's often an image of like shredded abs or something. And that's like a lot of subliminal messaging that creates uh, a really complicated form of motivation that doesn't tend to stick around. <laughs> Uh, and I find that it really bleeds into like self-identity as well, um, which is constructed by state of being. This is all explained in the work that I do, uh, but your habits and your emotional responses and your your neurologically um, imprinted kind of way of being becomes your self-identity mm-hmm. from an outside perspective. And that obviously controls everything that you have and are able to create. So when we talk about being ourselves, we have this narrative on not letting other people limit who we are. We sometimes limit ourselves because we identify with a person that isn't who we are. We identify Mm -hmm. with behavior that isn't who we want to be. You know, we don't like our behaviors, but we are like, "Mm, you know, it's who I am. So people Mm -hmm. with relationships, they have to just accept this about me or I just have to accept this about me. And like, that's true of some things, like the fundamental core of your being will never change. But if it's binging, Right. Or if it's or if it's a habit where you you shrink yourself in situations where you want to be larger so you can acquire what you really want in your life. Those are things that need to be broken through. So Mm -hmm. that's where the narrative on mindset needs to be changed. And also the narrative on the law of attraction and manifestation, which has been twisted in this in this way. And so when I first started self-development on like a more conceptual basis, it was I understand I need to change my belief system. I understand the need to affirm and that it has to be faith, but I didn't understand how to do it. So we have a lot of information on what people need to do, but very little information on how to do it. And that's where the brain science came in. And that's when I started to understand manifestation and the law of attraction is everything I've studied with anthropology. It's everything I've studied with human evolution. It's everything I've stu- studied with, with neurology. Like it's, it's all 
in the brain. And it's mm-hmm. sort of a scientific perspective on spiritual self-development, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I want to point something out. Yeah. You said in the very beginning of that second um, talk that you you going in, mm-hmm. showing up differently because of my past you said when I go to the gym I would show up differently and I don't know if that was a if it, maybe it was a combination of a negative or a positive thing but I found that so interesting because when you go back to your identity whether it be a the positive core one that you hold on to or the negative core one that you go on to wherever you step into whether it be work the gym your relationships um, friendships whatever you approach it mm. you show up differently um it's like whenever you're growing or if you're not growing uh, let's let's take the example if you're not growing you show up but you're afraid so you show up differently and then you limit yourself yeah and and then everything just kind of goes downhill because you're not growing then right Mm -hmm. so I found that so interesting when in your process did you realize yeah that I was showing up differently okay Sorry. (laughs) So when did I notice that I was starting to show up differently? Um, This kind of reminds me of something that someone I recently made a connection with in my DMs on Facebook asked me. And I think he said, when did you feel like the switch flipped? When did you feel like you were like able to, to, well, really to show up differently, to, to be a different person? Like when did those habits change? When did the procrastination go away? How did you you know, people ask all the time, they look at something like an eating disorder. And, you know, I've worked with people who have had issues tied to eating disorders for 25 years. And they're like, how did you, you know, I still always will have my own small little residual issues here and there, but my quality of life is as well, as good it can, as, as a person can have. Right. And so people ask me, how did you flip that switch? How did it happen? And I kind of said to him, to me, it's, it's like a series of small realizations that add up to something larger. So it's always coming in waves. So I already feel like a different person than I did four weeks ago. And that has how that's been like the trajectory of my life for the last five years, which sometimes I feel like I'm like, wow, how old am I now? (laughs) Uh, But, but I told him, I was like, so really what it is, is it's more like a dotted line. And then when you zoom out, it looks, it looks smoother but it really is a series of small breakthroughs. And I think looking back every once in a while, you're like, wow, I am different than I was before. You know, so one of the first things was when I first started my business, simple example would be not being afraid to say things that were controversial, like being comfortable going on live video and thinking to myself, I don't have to prove myself to everyone. I don't have to be accepted by everyone. If I ruffle, like there is no way to go about your way in this world and talk about what you believe and not ruffle people's feathers because that's on them, not you. It's Mm -hmm. always on them. Mm -hmm. And I know that because my feathers have been ruffled and it's always because I'm taking something personally because of my own shit. It's always because of their own shit. So you, you, you just can't let it bother you. And it's, it still does bother me sometimes, but, but one example of me kind of, you know, showing up differently would be, showing up larger, showing up bigger and and more confident. Um, And then, you know, maybe taking a step back because I was careful that I was young and I know I didn't want to show up arrogant. So it's all of these different, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I think there's all these different waves of growth and development and I'm continuously showing up differently like every week, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I like to think of it more like a dotted line rather than a clean, a clean break. So at some point, and this is kind of law of attraction too, as soon as you get unattached to what you want, it comes, right? So kind of like when you're at a restaurant, you're like, maybe if I go to the bathroom and forget about the food for a minute, it'll come. And we've Mm -hmm. experienced that before. It's like, it happens. As soon as I stop waiting, it happens. And so I think with growth, it's the same. You're so in it. You're so associated with the process that at some point you look back and you don't even know when it happened. You just remember, you just realize that you're completely different. And I think that's like the beauty of it because you're fully experiencing it. You're fully in it. You're fully associated. Um, so I guess, yeah, there have been many points in the journey when I've noticed that I show up differently, but I think it needs to be a conversation of expecting that to continue to happen because mm-hmm. otherwise we're just, yeah. oh, this is who I am now. And mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the point is to embrace a continuously evolved identity if you want to keep getting new things, you know, good things, changing things. (laughs) Yeah, no, great point. And what you just said made me think about myself for a sec, because you're absolutely right. I actually thought about this the other day. It was this, the thought was that, man, I'm a different person than I was seven years ago. I think differently. I talk differently. I yell at people differently now, which is probably (laughs) a good thing. I wanted to ask you about something you said earlier mm-hmm. about discipline, right? Because discipline. I mean, being a mil- yeah, absolutely. And being a military guy, you know, we're, we're always like, oh, yeah, discipline, 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 blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, I've come to realize that discipline doesn't always work for me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm trying to make a change and I have to discipline myself to do something, is it's almost like I can do it for a certain amount of time and then I seem to fall out of that discipline when I don't have any kind of external accountability. Mm-hmm. And I and I see people do this all the time, and I do this also. I end up kicking myself because I'm going, man, you know what? I'm David Goggins is out there running eight miles right now, and my <laughs> knees are hurting, and I don't know if I want to do this because it's snowing outside, it's cold outside, and, you know, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Could you explain a little bit more about that? Like, so if somebody wants to make a change in their life, how would you, how would you go about doing that? How would you go about coaching somebody from Mm -hmm. soup to nuts? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. This is, I love this, man. Discipline is one of those conversations I could have all day because there are so many people I want to punch in the face about discipline. Um, industry okay so just so you know amber and i we're we're both jujitsu practitioners so (laughs) okay all right excellent Uh, i can punch you in the face with my words maybe not my fists um i mean i have great arms i just don't think they're trained for that (laughs) i might be able to pick you up and overhead squat you but anyway um (laughs) so my problem with the this oh wow okay so first of all a lot of problems with the discipline conversation uh So let's just start by saying that around the time I was in college was around the time that Instagram emerged and became a platform first and foremost for like Fitspo, right? And there were a lot of, I did some experimentation for my anthropology thesis, which was about gender dietary exercise practices, but also the narrative on 
newly emerged social media platforms about what that was. So if you were to search a hashtag discipline, there'd always be some kind of like physical ideal that came up, be washboard abs or Mm -hmm. this or that. And that's like what is associated with the narrative of, of discipline. And so my issue with discipline is that it's always a balance, right? And it brings me as well to the conversation on sacrifice. So one of my biggest frustrations in the, in the fitness coaching industry has been marketing by putting oneself on a pedestal for discipline and sacrifice that you're telling other people they need. So for example, a lot of the narrative is you need discipline, you need to make sacrifices, you need to you know get yourself out of bed. Basically, the reason I am where I am and you're not is because you haven't gone through the suffering that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. And this ties really closely to our American, really, a narrative on suffering. <laughs> we have this this uh, this narrative that suffering and sacrifice are honorable, mm-hmm. that pulling yourself up from your bootstraps and working so fucking hard is the only way to get what you want. It's work, 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 work. And the way that our society is built in terms of cost of living and work compensation for like 90% of the population ties into that narrative really well right? You've got people working three jobs because they have two kids and there's no time left. So socially, there's a lot to be said for that. But as well, it the, the whole narrative, it all works together. So my question for people always is, you know, when you're headed to the ice cream shop and you're going to get an ice cream cone and you're like, hmm, you know what? I'm going to get I, I'm thinking about the chocolate. I'm thinking about the mint chocolate chip, but you know what? I'm going to go for the mint chocolate chip. My question is, did you sacrifice the chocolate or did you simply make a decision? Because mm-hmm. sacrifice and decisions are the same things framed differently. When you make a sacrifice, your focus is on what you're losing. Mm-hmm. And when you make a decision, your focus is on what you're gaining. And this is what we do. This is what we do. So when we talk about discipline, we're sacrifice-minded. And this is something that now I can take this back to some unconscious mind science. The unconscious mind does not process negative. That means that if you say, I don't want to eat this, you want to eat it. So if you tell a kid, don't eat that cookie, the first thing they want to do is eat the cookie because they don't hear the word don't. Their unconscious mind hears the word cookie. Mm Mm-hmm. Because your unconscious mind doesn't process negative, it's a real problem when we, okay, let's head into the motivation conversation. We find motivation by looking backwards instead of forwards. Mm -hmm. All of our motivation is coming from what we call away from motivation, which means I work out because I don't want to be fat. I work out because I don't want to be rejected. Like Mm -hmm. I hate because I don't want to be lonely instead of where, what do you want? We're looking at what we don't want and we're saying, I'm doing this because I I am basically running away from what I'm afraid of. And that's how we've constructed discipline. But the problem with that is that because the unconscious mind doesn't process negative, that's why you have people yo-yoing and getting into binge cycles. The more off limit something is, the more alluring it is. And the more, and that motivation doesn't last because let me tell you what happens. (laughs) If you're motivated by what you're moving away from, what happens when you don't have anything to move away from anymore? Mm -hmm. The idea is to get rid of that thing. But if your motivation is by, I don't want to, you know, if your motivation to work out is I don't want to be fat, as soon as you start losing weight to where you're not fat anymore, where does that motivation come from? It can only come from where you're going, but you never learned how to do that because our entire society is constructed by what don't we want? 
What do we lack? What are we moving away from? What are we afraid of? And that is it. There is so little higher consciousness on what we're creating for ourselves. Even this other day in a in an entrepreneur group on Facebook this morning, somebody posted, what are your income goals for this month? And I used to think money is like scummy and this is bad. And like all of the comments were like, just enough to get by, just a little bit more than I have. And I was like, yo, or but what do you want? <laughs> to get rid of debt. And I'm like, that's away from motivation. It's not about getting rid of debt. If you're making $20,000 a month, that's presupposed. Don't talk about what you don't want. Don't talk about what you're getting rid of. Talk about what you're fucking gaining. And that's the difference between decision and sacrifice. So then bringing that into discipline, the problem with discipline is we have an assumption behind discipline. When we believe that discipline is necessary 100% of the time, we're operating under the belief system that we're naturally lazy, mm. which is, is not a fair belief system for ourselves, right? If I don't be hard ass on myself right now, I'm going to stay on the couch all day. And so what we get is a group of people going in the other direction so far. And I can't even tell you coming from an eating disorder, most of my issue was exercise addiction, like serious compulsive exercise. And coming from that place, I can't tell you how normalized it is. I would say 75% of the clients who have come to me have come to me doing too much, way too much. Like having basically socially accepted eating disorders because of the way that discipline and fitness are constructed. So for me, it's always a balance. What is the balance between grace and discipline? Because you can't have true grace without discipline and you can't have true, true discipline without grace. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a give and a take. It's like work-life balance. It's not that, you know, it's a cyclical thing. So right. the first thing we need to be understanding is if you're, you know, looking for a coach and you really want to change your mind and you really want to change your body and you really want to change your life. And they tell you, it's all about discipline. I'm going to be here to hold you accountable. Like they are just, and this sounds judgmental, but they haven't thought much further about what this is really about. Um, How are you going to get that person to stick in that place? Because they found it, but not everybody finds it the same way. So by holding people accountable and disciplining them, you're not changing their mind long-term. You're changing their mind while they're with you. And then, you know, so, so part of the narrative as well is that it's always painful. I'm always sacrificing. As someone who's been working out regularly for years and people ask me, how are you so consistent? I'm not going to tell them it still hurts and that I still hate it. And it's still a sacrifice because who, who the hell wants to start something that's like that? That's so painful. We are not being very inviting to the general population about getting fit. We're, we're pushing them away unconsciously because we're trying to basically elevate ourselves by telling them that it's difficult, it hurts, and it's a sacrifice. And But that's mm. honorable. Mm. But like, that's so fucked up because Judy, who's 55, really needs to get fit just to improve her quality of life, doesn't want an eight pack, just wants to be around for her grandkids. That's the last thing she wants to do is like be in pain and sacrifice the happiness of her life. We need to be constructing this as discipline is utilized many times on days where it doesn't feel so good. It's utilized at the beginning, but this is under the assumption that we're making a real unconscious and conscious mind congruency shift on a neurological level that moving forward changes your behavior so from the root that it's not hard anymore. That doesn't mean some days it's not you know a little bit harder, but it's going to be something that you actually learn to love. And so when we talk about habit change, it works the same way as addiction neurologically, which is why addiction is really just habit 
brought to a self-destructive extreme. But the neurological basis is the same. You know, the the electrochemical addiction in the brain, the the um, the neural networks, it's all the same. So when it comes to like overcoming addiction or bad habit and constructing new ones, it's really a science that needs to be understood in any kind of training setting. As even even for like corporations and businesses who are trying to build greater rapport with their entire teams, like that's all stuff that needs to be understood. So I kind of lost my train of thought there, but you can't discipline your way through the rest of your life. There has to come a point at which you're changing yourself from the root. And if we're not understanding that, we become an industry that is creating the problem that we fix. And that is the most out of integrity thing I can possibly think of. The most money making out of integrity thing I can possibly think of. I'm going to show you what you need because I look so good and I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to depend on me. That's what it feels like. And that's why I stopped working for almost a year because I had to figure out how am I going to continue to be a physical fitness and life coach in a way that feels good and aligned to me. It's not with the discipline conversation. <laughs> so my drop right there. Wow. In there, but that there's when I tell you I've talked about this and thought about this and tossed this around in my head a lot. I mean a lot because this conversation on discipline, directly or indirectly, whatever you want to say, it almost took my life. Mm-hmm. And that's happening to people, whether it's literally or or just figuratively speaking, they're not living the life that they want to live. That was so wow. much to unpack. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Could you open my eyes to a couple of things that you had even said there too? Um, and, and one of the things that I, what brought me back inside my mind is when you made a post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It, you said, you asked the question, what is the highest purpose of you feeling fit and healthy. And I, it took me a moment to answer that. I did finally answer. I'll share my answer. But when you asked the question, it, it just made me ponder of, wow, what, what do, oh, how do I perceive fitness? How do I perceive feeling healthy? Um, mm-hmm. but, but rather than what someone else is telling me how to feel when it comes to being healthy and when it comes to being fit, um, mm-hmm. Because everybody's journey is different in their own perspective, too. I remember once I used to be part of an MLM group. Great group. You know, um, there are good MLMs out there. Not all are bad or anything. But I realized something was misaligned with me. And one day I came across a YouTube, Jay Shetty. That's the first time I ever heard Jay Shetty. And he had said, let's say you want to make a hundred thousand dollars and you're on this one path right now, but then you realize there are actually other different paths to get to this hundred thousand dollars. And I took that as like, that's it. That is where my misalignment is. I don't want this path to get to, I don't even know what the goal was at that time. Like <laughs> I'm so different now. Right. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want this path. I don't want this path that there's another path. There's something else that fits for me. And I thought that was so beautiful how you put that into perspective between, okay, are you making a decision? Are you making a sacrifice? Okay. What are you, are you gaining something or are you losing something? How are you perceiving your end goal and not looking back negatively? What I kind of got all of this, like, what the fuck do you want? Like, (laughs) 
like the movie. Um, what is that? Uh, the Notebook. And she, he's like, "What do you want?" And she's like, "It's not that simple." He's like, "What do you want?" Like, no, what do you want? Like, really? I got. I I know there are many other things, but the main point that I took away from that is, wow, what do I really want? And, and it's not me stepping into somebody else's shoes to suffer what they're suffering to get what I want, because what I want, I don't have to suffer this. I can just make a, a simple decision that's going to gain me something towards it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I loved hearing that. So um, I'm going to share my answer uh, with Megan's question on her Facebook page. Again, she asked, what is the highest purpose of you feeling fit and healthy? And I responded with, to feel good about, uh, no, that, that, that's Amanda. That's not my response. Sorry. That was Amanda. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. Um, if you're listening to this, um, man, you have a lot of great responses. I thought I had it pulled up. I'll just edit this part out. <laughs> Oh, no, I think we'll keep it in. <laughs> yeah, well, follow me on Facebook if you want to answer. Founder, <laughs> founder, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. So my answer is this. Um, when I know it's connected to other areas in my life, socially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I can't waste time on things that will lessen my time with my fitness or health eating habits. And mm. then you responded with yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Exclamation point. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't more uh, intriguing. I, res- I, I was like, I'm going to respond to everyone. And then so many people commented. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I, I loved it. I loved it because um, the point is to get you to think. Yes. Yeah. That's the point. You well, put, the, put the question on there. Oh, I don't, that might be the main point, but it got me thinking. Yeah. Well, and people don't realize how important linguistics and word choice are. So linguistics is actually a branch of anthropology, which I think few people know. I didn't know until I got a degree in anthropology that linguistics was a branch of anthropology. But you can tell a lot about what someone believes about themselves or their ability to do things, unconscious belief system, based on the words that they choose. You can also tell a lot about their model of the world based on the words that they choose, which is perception. So this is a lot of NLP stuff, but What I did in that post is kind of referred to as chunking up, which means getting less specific and finding the higher purpose of something. So what most of us do when we're looking at fitness goals or any goals is is we chunk down. And there are two main words. One of them creates downward motion and one of them creates upward motion. Creating downward motion, you ask how. I want this thing. How am I going to do it? Here are all these ways I could do it. Oh my God. And then you're overwhelmed because there's all these options and there's 25,100 million freaking everyone in the world online telling you that this is the right way to do it. This is the secret. And sometimes certain ideas become more uh, caught on than others. So right now there's this idea on reverse dieting and bodybuilding and building muscle and every woman wants glutes. And all of a sudden, 50% of the female population wants to step on stage and compete because that's been equated to having a fitness goal. Completely separate things. Completely separate things. We Again, Mm -hmm. we created the expect as a coaching industry, we have created the expectation that we aim to fix. And I have a real ethical problem with that in terms of people's expectations of themselves and their bodies. And the question we should be asking is not, you know, we shouldn't be answering the question of how, because then we're assuming what people want. Mm-hmm. We should be yeah. asking those people, why, why, 
So why yes. brings you upwards? Why brings you upwards? You could say, what is the highest purpose of wanting this thing? And so when you do work with NLP, you know, so a lot of times now with my full on life coaching clients who are looking for transformation in way more than just fitness. And honestly, like, I believe that this is necessary to have a true transformation in fitness, but you know, not everybody wants more than fitness programming. And that's just something that I've had to accept. Um, <laughs> We usually start with like a three to four hour breakthrough session. And my, my reasoning behind that, and they're like, oh my God, that's so long. I'm like, it's going to go fast, but think about it. You go to therapy once a week for an hour. You're always scratching the surface of what you could get into because you're spending the first half just like reconnecting, talking about your week, reestablishing. And this might be controversial, but what we do in traditional talk therapy is we com- continue to rewire our trauma. And that's what we call trauma bonding in support groups or even relationships. We bond over what we've been through and we talk about it. And the more we talk about it, the more we associate with it mm-hmm. in our minds. And the more we associate with it, the more we feel it. And the more we continue to wire those networks and emotional addictions that keep us creating the same scenarios over and over again in our lives. So what happens is your unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between an imagined reality and something that you're actually experiencing. So yeah. when you imagine and you revisit that trauma, your body thinks it's happening again. And when that oh. happens, you get addicted to the emotional chemicals that are released. And because you're addicted to those emotional chemicals, your mind and body are driven to create more things in your life that look and feel the same. So mm-hmm. if you're continuously in abusive relationships, you're bringing it about because you're, you're, you're sitting in your trauma. And this is a conversation we don't have because there's even ads, there's ads all over Facebook and Instagram now about like seeking therapy and getting help and getting rid of the stigma. And I agree with all of that. I just think that the way we're approaching it is wrong Mm -hmm. because trauma can be released almost immediately with the right modalities. So when you, when you talk about kind of, again, kind of lost my train of thought, the the three to four hour breakthrough session, the idea is what you said in the notebook, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? For what purpose? What is the highest purpose of this? For what purpose? For what purpose? So there are reasons for getting more and less specific. If you're trying to get to the root of what somebody really wants, or there's two pieces of them that are incongruent, you can prove to them that these two pieces are actually trying to do the same thing and that they can, they can now be one person again and they can move forward and trust their decisions. But when you go downwards, it's if they say something that is a generalization, like, everybody in my family has always struggled with this. Then you go downwards and you get more specific and you show them how their generalization is just an example of a limiting belief. Right. Mm -hmm. So with a three to four hour breakthrough, it's like, how much further do we get when you finally completely let go of the conscious agency because you have no choice. I'm asking you questions so quickly that you have to respond comes from the unconscious. You get a lot of answers about, what's wired into your unconscious that's holding you back. Mm -hmm. And you keep doing that for more than an hour, you're going to have a breakthrough on that call. That's like nothing you've ever experienced. And that gives us steps moving forward for like, okay, what can we take from what we learned on this call to implement this into your program now weekly? Because again, kind of going back to the eating disorder, like I've been to weekly therapy. I've been to inpatient, I've been to inpatient, outpatient eating disorder centers. I've been through therapy. And even before the eating disorder started in college, around six or seven years old, I started having severe panic attacks, severe anxiety, severe, like irrational things, was on medication, was at therapy every week, just like a really terrified child. And I do not remember 
anything ever really truly helping me. And mm. I, I, and it was, and it was frustrating because I felt like just absolutely stuck in it unless I was on antidepressants and nothing ever helped. Like I talking about it never helped because I realized now that, you know, talking about it or talking about my eating disorder or entertaining the same emotions again. Like I can talk about it now because I'm completely dissociated, but going to a therapist and being like, here's what I struggled with this week. You're just revisiting that experience, you know? And so we're enabling ourselves to say, it's okay. Don't worry. Be gentle with yourself. It takes time. And it does. But by saying that we're allowing it to take way longer than it needs to. And we're not living the lives we want to live. And that's the truth. Yeah, it's like at one point, when do you stop saying, okay, it's okay with yourself? Like you've already said this X amount of times, we know it's okay with yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at one point, when are we now going to step out the boat? When are we going to, when are we now going to get in our own little canoe and go away? Okay, you know, when are we going to do this now, body? Come on, what are we, when are we going to do? That's how I talk with myself. Like, all right, when are you going to do it? Yep. And are you going to do it? It's like, I don't know. If not now, when? Yeah. 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 I, what I got to myself, by the time I got to my 20s and I was still suffering with this exercise, eating disorder, overtraining, all that, I kept saying, if not now, when? And one of my biggest things was like, I don't want to have infertility issues. Like, that's not something that I want to subject myself to now because I want to have free choice later in my life. Hmm. And when people ask me like, wow, you healed so, quote, quickly you healed quote so quickly. Like, how did you heal from that? I've known people who have been suffering with eating disorders for like 30 years. Like, how did you heal so quickly? And I, the only thing I can say is like, I stopped believing it had to take time. Mm -hmm. I stopped believing that if there's a real, there's a really good book. If you're, and, and I am openly, I openly talk about this stuff. So if you're someone who struggles with that, but went through some severe binging years after the restrictive eating disorder in a book I read, by Katherine Hansen called Brain Over Binge, it tied so nicely into all of the things I was already studying. And she talks a lot about talk therapy and the issues with traditional therapy, especially in eating disorders. And a lot of it is, and this is kind of where maybe we're getting back into the discipline conversation in a more positive light. Like we're kind of fucking around with ourselves a little bit. We're mm-hmm. being gentle with ourselves, not, not because we don't want to get better, but there's all this stigma about mental health that we try to be gentle and understanding. And that's really great. But like when it's life or death, you know, it's, it's kind of like that argument with body positivity. What happens when someone's 500 pounds and they, you know, they really need to lose weight if they're going to live, live. At what point do you just have to tell someone, look, either happens now or it doesn't happen. And I think the problem with our narrative on that is that we don't believe that it can happen quickly. We don't believe that we can make changes to our brains quickly. And the, and the reason is that we don't know the science. The only thing we've experienced is that change take t- takes time and change is sticky and our habits are sticky, but no one knows why, because no one is presenting that scientific information. It's just an assumption that we've made about like change takes time, habit change takes time. Yeah, sure. But like, what are you going to study about your brain so that you can combat that, you know? Mm-hmm. stop believing that it has to take so long and that's when you break through you know like that just that's what my experience has been so and it's almost like that really fluid relationship between what you were talking about earlier grace and discipline or 
or as I like to kind of relate it to tough love, right? Hey, I love yeah. you, man, but on ass, go get after it. You mentioned a couple of terms earlier. NLP, what is that? NLP stands for neuro-linguistic programming. So it is one of those things at this point that if you Google it, it'll come up and it'll be like pseudoscience used for, you know, men picking up women and manipulation and sales, which it's kind of like anything. You can use anything for good or anything for bad. So neuro-linguistic programming is the study of basically language and how we communicate with other humans, but it can be used to almost manipulate because if you can use your language in certain ways that you're encouraging him that's what he was trying get, to say like um, not get into people's minds like they still have control but it has been used in, in like there's certain types of language that are more hypnotic which means that you might be able to make a sale or but the funny thing is that like it, once you know nlp you realize that it's in every ad it's in every news report. It's in every politician's speech. It's in politics. It's in news. It's in sales. It's in everything. So when you Google NLP, you'll get pseudoscience. Da, 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 da. And I was insecure about it for a while because I'm a practitioner. I was like, if I post this on my page, are, are people going to be like, oh my God, she's a bad person. And I was like, no, because this is the kind of language that we need to use with people to help them have realizations about what they need to do in their lives. So when I asked you, what is the highest purpose of your working out and, and being fit and healthy? That is an, that that's NLP, right? That's everything because I'm making people question further and, and also communication and relationships. Mm -hmm. So another example is, you know, some people, internal representations are, the senses that we use to construct the world. So some people are more visual people, which means they have to see it in front of them. And some people are more auditory or let's say visual and kinesthetic. Kinesthetic is you really feel into things, right? So when you're trying to build rapport with somebody, it's funny because if you're in a group of people and you say, oh, where do we want to go for dinner? Okay, what feels right for dinner? What feels good? The kinesthetic people will be like, ooh, this feels good. What sounds good? The auditory people will be like, ooh, this sounds good. So some people just, they respond to more internal representations than others. So when you're in a relationship, either intimate, friendship, or even business, if you're having an incongruency with that person because their internal representation is more visual and yours is more kinesthetic, you might have miscommunications that you're not even understanding aren't because you're disagreeing. It's because you view the world in a different way. So part of working with somebody successfully as a coach, as well as bringing them realizations in their own life with themselves and with the people around them, is having an understanding of how our language indicates where our perception and where our thoughts are so that we can more closely connect with other people. That is what NLP is for. Uh, and then there are certain processes, of, again, that you can bring people through to find clarity and to, you know, to change programming um, with language, really. So to answer your question, that's basically what it is. Yeah. This is all great. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I am a certified NLP practitioner and an NLP life coach, which means I can use it and I do in my coaching, but I'm also certified to, to teach it to other people. So if I want to, for example, start a business where I certify people in NLP, that's something I could do in the future. I just, right now, that's not my, my main goal. So talking about that, if somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Yeah, uh, Megan Robitaille, Facebook is great. I'm also on LinkedIn. 
My Instagram is Megan.Robitai. I would say the best way is, well, honestly, they all work. People reach out to me everywhere. Um, and now she's on TikTok because I saw her little dance video and she wants TikTok, people yes. to uh, follow her. I need to. So my TikTok is currently shift body mind because I got in this mood and changed it. I really want to change it back to just my name. Um because the business name also changed to mindful movement. And so everything changed. Apparently TikTok has this thing where you can't change your name more than like once every 30 days or something. So for now I'm just doing my thing and then I'll change it back to my name. But you know, yeah. So I would say the two best places would be if you are on Facebook, Megan Robitaille, which I'm sure is either in the title or the description of this recording. So you can get the spelling. Cause I know the last name is a fun one. Um, and my email is also another place is Megan W at gmail.com. I get a lot of coaching inquiries on there as well for people who are maybe coming less from social media and more from stuff like this. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, Megan, thank you so much, guys. I told you we had a doozy of a show for you today. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, it was so beautiful. Absolutely. One of the big things I pulled out from there is you know, when we're talking about overcoming storms in our life, right? A lot of us tend to have that mindset of sacrifice. Hey, look, what are we giving up? And a really powerful quote that I want to put out is that uh, what you said, Megan, about how sacrifice and decisions are the same thing framed differently. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mic drop moment among many, many <laughs> mic drop moments today. I know, right? So, yeah. yeah. Megan, Thank you so much for being on our show today. Really appreciate it. We're very honored to have you have um, have you be on. Yes, thank you so much. I'm honored yep. to be here. Thanks, guys. With that, guys, episode six is in the books. Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you for being on this journey with us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys.